Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. We are so excited for another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm Gianna Whitford, one of your hosts with my fabulous, beautiful co-host, Maria Velasquez. And we are so excited to have Kelsey LaBelle. She is the VP of Marketing at Domain Tools, and she is here to school us on all sorts of things, including creativity, fulfillment at work, content marketing. She's also going to make us laugh, I think. She's very definitely, funny. definitely. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> I hope you like puns. That's all I do. I'm a one trick pony kind of gal. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll need one pun every thirty seconds, so that'll be our KPI. It's a reasonable concentration. <laughs> all right, <To> be achieved. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think in our scoping call, Kelsey, you wanted to take this down a slightly unorthodox journey for this show, where we usually talk about marketing and cybersecurity marketing. But to start off today, why don't we start with, instead of hard marketing, let's take it back to the soft skills. Let's just take it back to the soul. Kelsey, you and I and Maria had that great conversation on empathy in marketing, on marketing as relationships at scales. Can you talk about the concept of return on empathy? What the heck does that mean? And how are you thinking about that in your broader marketing everything and your strategy. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here and talking about empathy. It's so lovely. And return on empathy. The concept is super simple. And it's kind of one of those things that's it's easy to overthink. If I were to summarize it, it's just be a human first. But the beauty of the idea or concept of return on empathy is if you do the right thing, Ultimately, it's going to result in a healthier top and bottom line. Mind blown for sure. Yeah. yeah. Costco. Costco. <laughs> Kirkland Signature, ROE, for sure. And that means a lot of different things. And I can go as in the weeds as you like, or we can bring up Michael E. Porter. We can go all Harvard Business Review on this if you would like. You just let's, pick your own adventure and I'll, let's I'll talk do it about all. it. Let's do it all. Chelsea, I said, you have the mic until midnight today. Let's oh my get into it. This is going to be one of those extra large episodes. <laughs> my wife is going to be so glad that I got to talk to other people about this. This poor person has to hear about my marketing philosophy far too often. And my wife, I'll say, I feel like I should disclose this, is a counselor. She's a therapist. So that also is a lens that I view marketing through. Because as you said, marketing is relationships at scale. It's how do you connect and engage with people, but more than once at a time, right? You have to do that in a fairly high volume to be successful. And so if you think about how you form healthy relationships, one might say that a psychology perspective and lens could be pretty important to that. You have an unfair advantage. You have literally a therapist literally in the back of your pocket. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I fear that I'm actually a study. It's going to be like, oh, what is that movie where the guy the finds Truman out? The Truman Show, right? The Truman. Thank you for knowing I've never seen that. it. I just know oh. that because I know a lot of weird trivia. Yeah. 
I feel like this is going to be a Truman Show situation, but it's just this long-term research study. And they're like, what's wrong with this woman? (laughs) I mean, there's opportunity to partner with your wife on research of mental health for cybersecurity marketers. I'm pretty sure she would bring so much insight to that. Complaining about the sales team, marketing (laughs) attribution. Salesforce data, all those things. Go to market trauma. Yeah. (laughs) Go to market trauma. Absolutely. (laughs) I actually had this idea that I never followed through on, which was I wanted to do like a mini series of therapy for defenders. And I was going to go through all the different types, like exposure therapy, and do these like silly little videos where in that case you would hold somebody's eyes open like at the screen and be like password one two three <laughs> and just like go through all like gestalt therapy all these different what do they call them i can't remember the particular they have names just, right they're named after yeah, men names. those ones yeah mostly yeah yeah so you can trust them those people know what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> from like not from like 1808. <laughs> yeah. They certainly were just the shining example on a hill of good relationships. That's definitely what they were known for. <laughs> <laughs> we should invent a therapy and then name it after us, the LaBelle Velasquez Whitford Accord. That's well, that sounds it. more like a treaty, but like, you know, like <laughs> So, like, sounds like a, a successful law firm. <laughs> I love it. Well, back to empathy since we just yes. stopped talking empathy. shit about, we just you know. gave up on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yes. Back to love and empathy. Take love it. And Take empathy. it yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's relationships at scale. And so this is how I like to frame it. I actually did a few lectures at UW, the University of Washington, on content marketing. And the way I always framed content marketing to these kids that I was trying to keep awake at like four o'clock in the afternoon in this lecture hall was to say like, hey, there's this reality that we face. That's simply this idea that if the product is free, then you're the product. And I don't mean to say that in a cynical sense. I'm just saying that When we're providing and serving a community or an audience, the way a content marketer or a marketer is going to be successful is when they're sitting there and deciding and evaluating if their PII, especially a cybersecurity defender types PII, is worthy of whatever content, whatever free thing you're providing. And so our job is to make that decision as easy as possible. And in order to do that, we need to understand fundamentally what, not to use this cliche, is keeping our audience up at night so that we can weigh the scales in our favor. And to top it off, we're living in a still in less than, I don't know how to describe where we are in a COVID state. I always kind of trip over that. COVID and after, including now. (laughs) What is it on the Fauci scale? (laughs) What is this? Not the before times, I guess. Does not contain before times. VCCC? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And we're in a digital forward world, I guess Mm. we'll call it. And so when I would do this lecture back, I think the last time I did it was in 2021, I was using a stat back from even like 2019, which is on average, a person is seeing four to 10,000 ads every single day. So on top of this reality of like, you're trying to 
grease the wheels when someone's making a decision about how much information to provide about themselves with the value of what they're going to be provided. On top of that, you're competing with so many other vendors that are trying to sneak in potentially similar messages. And so that's where if we're thinking about good old Michael E. Porter at Harvard Business Review, and he talks a lot about how important it is to be unique, to have any sort of competitive advantage. When it comes to your corporate strategy, when it comes to any strategy, you have to think about what about that is defensible and something you can maintain. And being unique is a huge part of that. And so if you're going to wrap that in and I guess surface that to truly understanding and empathizing with the pain of the folks you're serving, that is something that adds significant value to your business and helps people and makes you happy. Win, win, win. Boom. I love that. What are some different ways we could wrap in that uniqueness, right? Sometimes we don't have a stellar content team or we don't have a PR agency that gets us in front of or analyst relations or whatever. What are some other ways in which we can wrap our uniqueness and the way we're perceived by our audience? Yeah, I think the first thing is starting with listening, the whole two ears, one mouth idea. And the best place to eavesdrop and for it to be socially accepted is, of course, social media. And I actually, in a previous life, actually before I worked at Domain Tools, I was an AE at a social media analytics company. Oh. Which was acquired by Sprout Social, known as Simply Measured, if anybody is familiar. Oh, yeah. I've used Sprout Social before. Shout out, Sprout Social. Do you want to sponsor this episode? No. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) My takeaway from that experience, because I can't sell stuff. Like, I really enjoy building relationships with people, which is why I think marketing is a good fit. But the problem is when you have to ask for money, I didn't so much like that part. And I guess that's kind of important for an account executive, I've been told. (laughs) Um, So ultimately not the right fit. But the silver lining for me was my new like paranoid cybersecurity self is like hates this reality, but there's so much information out there that you can glean that's public that people are very comfortable sharing, but it actually makes for, I mean, great listening, right? Social listening is a huge thing. So if I were to like prioritize the value that I see from social media, the first thing is listening and understanding. And especially in this whatever COVID world, it can be more challenging to go to in-person events. People's belts are being tightened in this macroeconomic environment. So it's a free place, free like a puppy is free, of course, to go and find out that information. And that's a great starting point. Another place I always recommend people to go is a site called, I think it's Answer the Public. Mm -hmm. And it's free, but it's UK data. But I think it's similar enough. If your audience is, and maybe Israel or APAC regions, maybe not so much, maybe worth paid opportunity if they have that for that particular region. But it's, you pretty much can put in a keyword and there's this really cool map with a little person in the middle that has the questions that people are asking associated with that keyword. So I always recommend first step, regardless of how large of a content team you have, the availability of subject matter experts of budget to do the things that are free 99, right? They just take your time and understand what should I be prioritizing in thinking about how I can build authority and trust, and demonstrate to my audience that I actually hear them and I understand their experience. That's number one. Number two is creating an editorial calendar and thinking about with the resources that I have available, 
because content is the conversation we have, but it's one-sided. That's why it's so important that we first listen. And hopefully if you're doing content really well, you do get a response, a little call and response, a little musical, I don't know, some beautiful canon that occurs, but that's your opportunity to really share with your audience that you understand them. And so you need to understand what resources, what limitations you have and what your strengths are so that you can communicate with them as effectively as possible. In terms of turning your content creation, building out this editorial calendar in a way that's effective and efficient, but also listens and then responds and is resulting in revenue. Can you tell us about maybe some of your recent wins in that regard? What can you tell us? Give us some data points. We're hungry. Some daters. Some daters. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Some daters. So a few things come to mind. And Something that I think it's Mike Lee Porter brings up as well is like for a corporate strategy to be effective, you need like all of these unique activities that tie to that corporate strategy. It can't just be these one-off examples, right? They all need to kind of click into place, if you will. And so I'd like to think Domain Tools is a really good example of that when it comes to leading with empathy. And this is not a culture that I created. It's one I was lucky enough to step into. But our vision is to make the internet a safe place for everyone. And then maybe the unofficial subtitle is it, except if you're doing bad things, but most of the time, make the internet a safer place. And so as a result, when there are large world events, which (laughs) funny enough, there've been a few that have come up in the last few years, and there's an opportunity for us to add value to the community, we will move heaven and earth to do so. And a perfect example actually would be a COVID threat list and a Ukraine threat list that we spun up. And so around COVID, there was, we call them domain blooms. So domain tools is internet intelligence. So we're looking specifically at DNS infrastructure, Mm -hmm. just who's behind a domain and the infrastructure that powers that domain. And then the value is in those connections. So if you're looking at a domain, let's see something gets flagged in your SIM and it's got a, a risk score. We do like machine learning. So we're looking at things that we know are bad and we're learning from them because we've got lots and lots of daters. And so you say, hey, this smells funny. What is it? And then what's connected to that? And is there anything else that I need to go hunt on and see if it has touched my network already or proactively block? That's kind of like the domain tools value proposition. And work like context, we allow people to assess risk by providing like high quality data that's super fixated on DNS and domain intelligence. So we look at trends in domain registration, specifically registrations that we would identify as like malicious or nefarious, which I feel like is the unofficial secret password in cybersecurity. Like if somebody uses the word nefarious, you're like, oh, you are in cybersecurity. (laughs) Nobody just uses that word unless they're in cybersecurity. So whenever somebody uses that word, I'm like, I feel like we have something to talk about. Did we um, meet Bluetooth before? Uh, yeah. you a black hat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm that not that a spook, I promise. <laughs> yeah. So we're looking at what we call domain blooms. So when there are trends in keywords that are popping up in domain registrations, they're typically around world events, right? Because threat actors are opportunistic. It's usually around, unfortunately, not so great events. And COVID and what's happening with the conflict in Ukraine are both examples of that. And so there was a lot of nefarious activity (laughs) around those topics. So as a result, 
we said, hey, we're going to provide anybody that wants it without any kind of form. I think we asked for one piece of information because we didn't want people like DDoSing the server, the infrastructure stood up <laughs> to support the requests that were coming through. But we said, here's everything we learned today. Here are all of the things that we think are bad that are using these sets of keywords. And so we provided that to the community. We provided tons of basically access to, especially around COVID, folks that were fighting ransomware around hospitals and making sure that they had that data. So from an impact perspective, because we use what's known as Marketo measure, which is visible back in the day, right? And mm -hmm. we'll see how this goes down the road because we're cooking people. And as they continue to be anonymous traffic, if they do and go fill out a form, we can trace that back and attach yeah. it kind of to their profile, right? Yeah. So there are reports that I can run on the blog posts that launched those lists. And I tie back, I can't really talk publicly about our revenue, but a significant amount of pipeline associated with that particular event. And then of course, marketing is just as green as it gets. It's all about reduce, reuse, recycle. And so we did some, some webinars. We actually did a researcher team found ransomware in the wild. It's always like a Nat Geo episode. It's like in the Ooh. wild, right? And <laughs> we actually maxed out our go-to webinar attendance, which has never what? before happened to me. Yeah. I was kicking people out. I was like, domain tools, people get out of the room. Like we don't have space where we reach capacity here. We actually have upped our subscription because that was like the best problem in the world to have. And again, lots of pipeline and revenue are attached to that webinar, to that blog, specifically around COVID lock ransomware. And so those are just a few examples of how that plays out. And we provided our data, right, which is has some cost, but really it all started with having a culture that's focused around doing the right thing and trying to support defenders who are tackling some pretty, pretty gnarly stuff. That's crazy. Can I just highlight the fact that the content piece that started it all was a blog post, right? It was not a gated piece of content. We were not asking people, well, you were not asking people to fill out a form, which then spiraled into other pieces of content or activities that could then generate leads for you. But you're saying you actually saw ROI, you actually saw revenue generated from a blog post, which is such an awesome testament to the quality versus tactic sort of balance, especially in demand gen, where and a lot of times like leadership and a sales team are like, leads, 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 demand gen, demand gen is the answer when a quality blog post could be the answer to your Q4 quota panic. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The blog post that saved the quarter. Yeah. Give it a pizza. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. And very lucky to be at a company that prioritizes those. It's never a question. And that has to come from the top down. I didn't have to fight for that. It was more so how quickly can we get those resources aligned with that particular tactic? And that there are so many things we do. And the great thing is we don't talk about it. We don't have to talk about it. I think we've built a really strong brand around doing the right thing. And we don't have to call home about it ourselves. Another campaign I can think of is we did something... That was, of course, punny because we're in the domain space. So we did what was called the TLD, top-level domain, but we called the top-level defender campaign. And what we asked is for people to nominate 
folks that inspired them in the security space. And we were going to provide the winner, and we did provide the winner, with a full-paid SANS course for Forensics 578, which those things ain't cheap, super quality. Also note that Domain Tools is used in that course. We provide access for a certain amount of time to anybody that is a participant. We don't market to those people. And we have a lot of folks come as a result saying like, hey, I learned about you in the class, that whole forensics thing where you are part of the class. I think I need that. (laughs) So as a result, we had fantastic engagements. I think we had something like 30 nominations and we asked a significant number of questions. And so that turned into content gold. It, It ended up being one of our podcast episodes, one of our top podcast episodes, I think, with the winner. We also had a blog post, of course, attached to that, that I believe we can attach some revenue to as well. And we created some pretty meaningful relationships and got to know some really wonderful people in the industry as well. Tell us more about your podcast. <laughs> the podcast. Talk about the podcast on the podcast. Turtles, turtles all the way down here. <laughs> yeah. So our podcast is called Breaking Badness. One of our account managers came up with it. So he deserves pun rights for that one. Spell that out for the listeners. The second part, obviously. Oh, badness. B-A-D-N-E-S-S. Oh, okay. Badness. I I wasn't sure if you had like a DNS kind of like spinoff on that. Breaking Bad DNS. Oh, that's brilliant. Wow. I know. This is that awkward moment where I ask you for money for this brilliant idea, but that's okay, Kelsey. We're (laughs) friends now, so I won't do that. Oh my gosh. I'm so Maria's not a good A either. Don't get me into sales. I love sales, but I won't be a salesperson. (laughs) (laughs) Got to respect the work that the salespeople do. It's a tough task. Do you have to respect it? I don't know. My first job out of school was cold calling. So, (gasps) Kelsey. Yeah. Why? Did you not have any dreams? (laughs) I dreamt of getting paid. (laughs) That was my dream. And it was for Amazon too. It was Amazon local, which doesn't exist anymore. So, and that's not totally my fault. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure about that? <laughs> I'm not totally confident. I had a lot of gumption is probably a nice way to put it. I remember bringing like the director in. I'm like a college student. The disrespect they showed the actual salespeople and they just brought in this cohort of like 30 college students, like literally fresh coming there in our little caps, right? We're like, we know the world. And they're like actual professionals that they're having sit next to us. And we're like cranking music and we're like, yeah. (laughs) Love that. We understand the world. So I remember like sitting the director down and being like, this business model doesn't make any sense. This doesn't align with the Amazon values. And he sat there (laughs) with a straight face, which I feel like I owe that person a thank you note (laughs) for dealing with that. Anyway, yes. So I feel like. I can understand some of the trauma of sales. Oh, yeah. But the podcast. But the podcast. Yes. Yeah. So Breaking Badness, Breaking Bad DNS would be even better. Maybe we'll work on that. (laughs) So I think we started putting that together in 2019. And podcasting was just starting to emerge, which makes sense, right? Because you have all of these fancy new technologies like the Alexa, right? And people are engaging with... They're like, there's this funny thing where you just, it's like radio, but new. It's like Vine, but TikTok. And I was very lucky at that time. We had just hired some security researchers. And we also just have so many big and fabulous personalities at our company. And we came off this predictions webinar that we do at the end of every year. And of course, they're just like, 
ridiculous, full of puns. And there was a pretty clear moment of inspiration after that of like, this is like a podcast. What we just did is actually a podcast. We just made it more difficult and we tried to align it with directly with pipeline as a goal and objective. And so I sat in a room and I thought about what aligns with what makes domain tools so very special. Like what are our competitive advantages and something that's really important to defenders, at least we believe is receiving timely information about threats. And so thinking about how can we tie that in with our podcast and we don't want to be talking ourselves up. Our focus is totally like product agnostic. Let's help educate folks in the space. There's so much news happening all the time, just like there are so many indicators. There are so many little red flags and badness showing up in Sims. And what we help do is kind of filter out the noise there and focus on what's most likely to, let's say, negatively impact their business or cause them pain later. So that's really what the podcast is about. It's three of us co-hosts sitting down, having a good old time because there's so much FUD. There's so much to be down about in security. So we wanted to make it really fun and focus on what happened the last week. So reasonably timely and actually provide. So we go through two articles and there are two stories from the week and a subject matter expert. One of the co-hosts talks about kind of breaks down the article from start to finish. And then at the end of each article, we do something called the hoodie rating, which is playing off the cliche of a defender, like a hacker in a hoodie. And how many defenders does it take to change a light bulb to fix this basically? So it's zero to 10 scale. So it's kind of like our prioritization or our threat score, if you will, on the article. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon, are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. So on a ransomware attack, how many hoodies does it take? It depends. It depends on the ransomware attack. And of course, we have like no like back of the five-star notebook. Like, oh, yes, this is a five. This is a classic (laughs) five. They have to be ridiculous. So I prefer when people don't use like integer hoodies. It'll be like four hoodies, two sleeves, and maybe like a Bill Belichick hoodie in there too. (laughs) You know, like Bill Belichick would be a great person to have like, showcasing the the breaking badness hoodie we'd like to think <laughs> he like comes up in every podcast so does tom hanks oddly i can't quite remember how that happened but well lucky for you they both listen to this this yeah, podcast well, I yeah that's why i had to speak directly to them because i'm a little exactly. upset that they're not tuning into breaking badness so thank you for letting me use your platform to get to yeah. tom hanks and bill belichick you're welcome you're welcome. I appreciate it. that's wrong <laughs> <laughs> t hanks Good guy. Good guy. Yeah. Stun's insane though. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) can't win them all. Can't win them all. Wait, I have a question. Yeah. 
So it sounds like your podcast, which came before our podcast, was based off of our podcast because that's our vibe, which is fun. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It actually reminds me a lot of Nagin Farsad's podcast, which is where comedians go through two news articles and then talk about them. But this idea of fun and infusing fun into podcasting, how did you do that? Because you, Kelsey, are very funny and fun to talk to. That's did nice you go you say. before you gave up on everything and tried to get into sales? <laughs> were you an aspiring stand-up comedian? How did you pick fun co-hosts who are in cyber? Like, are they the same folks? You guys all do improv training? Like, seriously. Gianna, that was going to be my guess for what she would be doing. Maria, you gave away your guess oh, to me. And I feel <laughs> I'm going to interject and, <laughs> and say, no, I want to go first. <laughs> you <were>. fine. Yeah. <sighs> uh, well, that's very nice of you to say. I think, well, first of all, it all starts with having the right company culture where creativity and just ridiculous ideas are something that they're open to, right? Like I continue to have this great mentor, Ariella Robison, who I worked for for many of my years at Domain Tools. And she is like blank canvas. You have an idea? Okay. Go figure out how to accomplish that and execute it, which is like the best gift you can ever give somebody that's eager to learn. And so a lot of that is thanks to her just providing us with that opportunity to try something new, especially when a lot of focus is on that demand gen, that lead gen side, right? So the true trust from her to go try to accomplish something like a podcast. I'm just extremely lucky to work with people. We have such good chemistry. Like it's pretty incredible We've had a number of iterations of co-hosts because people do move on in their career and jump off and do incredible things. And it's fun to have them back on the, the podcast or listen back to old podcasts with them on it. But I think it's going back to relationships. It's just having meaningful relationships with those people and feeling like you can trust them in that podcast environment and knowing it's like a judgment-free zone. Like the number of times... So I used to do like everything with the podcast. I would co-host it. I would produce the outline. I would edit the podcast. I would promote the podcast. I'd have to listen to my own voice every Monday when I was editing. You get used to it, unfortunately, but it takes some time and some alcohol. And But you so, can't complain, Kelsey. You have a full-time therapist at home. So I your do. own voice bothers you. You turn around and you're good. <laughs> Half hour later, That's you've true. aired out your grievances. I've aired my grievances. Oh, I love that It's a medi mediation with yourself and you've That's right. through it. That's, well, she's actually, I think she's training me to do it with myself. She's like, I'm going to delegate this to you. <laughs> I think I've given you the tools. Here's the DSM. Hit yourself with it. Figure it out. <laughs> One of the best jokes. Do you both know what the DSM is? Tell us. The diagnostic statistical model, something like that. It's like meant to pathologize and like provide clinical answers and say, you fit in this category. It's, it's a little oh. messed up. Like a lot of people are, it's imperfect, right? But one of the best jokes my wife has ever made is she picked up the DSM and she goes, oh, is this your family photo album? <laughs> and I was like, that's so hurtful, but I mean, yeah, that's a good There's one. Uncle Fred, there's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> the gang's all here. Yeah. So anyway, something I got to look at is how long between when I would tell a stupid joke and the dead space between when somebody would either laugh 
or we would move on. And I was like, quantitatively, this is how much that joke sucked. <laughs> I could see it in the, the wavelengths of the podcast. I mean, that sounds like our way of measuring whether our messaging resonates with cybersecurity. It's your bounce rate. Right? Like, <laughs> yep. Did that? Like, no, no, not really. Scratch that. <laughs> didn't land. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm just lucky that there are people that are willing to kind of like jump in to the deep end and just have fun. And it's honestly a part of the week I really look forward to, especially now that I have you two again are saints because I know that you do a lot of work for this podcast and it takes a village to do it well. And so you really have to find those complementary skill sets so you don't burn out because the frequency, especially when it's about timely information. So we go through the rigor every week. It's like Friday outline, choose the articles, Monday record, Wednesday publish, and then it starts all over again. So that's the one thing is thinking about however green your content is and weighing that with what's important in your podcast. And that's one thing, if I could go back in time, I'd probably work in is like build seasons or something around the content. So there was maybe less of a sprint. It was more of like a, a marathon sprint, right? But yeah, just having people that are able and comfortable with podcasts. And it's a great way, I think, it's kind of like a gateway drug to people doing webinars. Like content marketing, a lot of it is about the exposure therapy of speaking in front of folks, right? Especially into a void. That can be really mm -hmm. scary. I think sales engineers in particular, like they're the most anxious about not having that echo or the response from their audience that they can then tweak their messaging to be effective. So the podcast is great because hashtag fix it in post. Like all you have to do is take a breath and say it again. If you can work through that comfort level, when you get up to the webinar level, I guess, you're going to have some chops built up and comfort there that you wouldn't have otherwise. So it's kind of a great funnel for building internal subject matter experts as well. I'd like to thank. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. It really does take a village and Gian and I are definitely not the heroes here. There are so many people in the background that make this podcast happen from Nicole on our team. Shout out, Nicole. We love what you yeah, do. Nicole. Our Hacker Valley family who produced this podcast for us and support us and encourage us and mentor us and train us. So yes, there's definitely a village behind all of this orchestra for sure. Teamwork makes the dream work. Absolutely. So I wrote this down from our scoping call. And if you could answer it like in a short amount of time, I think that would be cool. Well, oh, that sounds so rude. I'm so no. sorry, Kelsey. No, no. Chop, chop. <laughs> I can try. I will do it. Just because we're running out of time. Yeah. But the question is, can you be happy at work? Yes. Hmm. Absolutely. You can be happy at work. Why? Or how? Maybe not why. <laughs> you have to Why bring... would you want to be happy? <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> it's better to be miserable. That's what everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> I think to be happy at work, the most important thing is to bring your full self into work. This is something that I hold near and dear to my heart. I am a queer woman. I actually came out while working at Domain Tools wow. late in life compared to these Gen Zers. And I think the true north, the North Star for me is thinking about what are my values and how can I express those through the marketing platform in a way that is also builds value for Domain Tools. And there's a big intersection there because as marketers, we hold 
the keys to one of the biggest platforms that exists. We control the voice of the brand. And so I think personally, we have an obligation and a responsibility to ensure that voice is being shared to people who typically don't have that opportunity. That's so beautiful. Yes. That is its own LinkedIn post. Yeah. 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 Nicole, please help us. (laughs) Gold, gold, gold. (laughs) Okay. And after that beautiful sentiment, now we're going to jump into our weird fun game. It feels like not appropriate. It feels like we all need a moment of silence because that was lovely, (laughs) but we're not, we're not going to wait. We're going to jump right into it. And Maria, I will let you go first. Listeners, at the end of every episode, we play a game where we guess what our guests would be doing if they were not in cybersecurity marketing. And we also can't guess what they would be doing that includes something that they have already done. So Kelsey, I'm sorry, but failed salesperson, we can't say. Oh my God. You are getting no love today, Kelsey. It's it's not an inaccurate statement though. Like I'm not gonna. (laughs) I believe in Kelsey's strength and therefore I can make fun of the fact that she's bad at sales because she's great at marketing. So it Thank all, you. it Thank actually you. works When I point more to the screen either. and I say, I don't know this person. I <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> oh my God. What if you woke up and you were on a podcast? You need to write that pilot right now. Okay. All right, Maria, what do you think Kelsey would be doing? <laughs> Meet you at 6 a.m. Okay. So my first prediction or intuition was going to be stand-up comedian because I totally could see you do that. You had my full attention. I was longing for, okay, what are you going to say next? I was super engaged. I loved it. But since we already spoiled that, I'm going to say you would be doing something like sports media because of your reference to Belichick. And I hope I'm not like torturing his name and his hoodie and stuff. So I figured maybe there is a little football thing there. So sports media, sports commentator, sports analyst, something like that. Maria, our friend Belichick is going to send us some ma- angry emails now. Why? Did I mess up his name? No, you or did it. You, you did it all. You're a good. baseball coach, not a football coach? What did I do? <laughs> well, you, <laughs> nailed I actually- you nailed it, Maria. <laughs> okay, good. I knew it. I actually have no idea who Belichick is. I just use context clues to infer that he's large, maybe. <laughs> well, he, okay. I want to make sure for Bill, Bill Belichick is the coach of the Patriots and he's known, he has these sweatshirts and he cuts them. So they're like weird necklines. So that's the context around the hoodie. So they're great non-integer hoodies. It's not even like worth looking up a picture of. We will include a picture in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Gianna, your turn. Kelsey, I think you'd be a motivational speaker. Ooh. Wow. That I could totally see. Wow. These are so complimentary. I would say like I'd just be in a ditch somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Trying to be good at sales. Oh my gosh. Cold calling the fine people of Oklahoma City once more. <laughs> That's what keeps me up at night. Let me tell did you. you did you li- did you live in Oklahoma City too? Or I were did you not. Just- that was oh, my no. territory. I'd work on the way I talk. That was like my chameleon marketing work of like that was changing my tone to meet my audience. They needed a little bit more of a warm-up on the phone. They're more personal people, the Oklahoma City folks. So safe to say working that territory was not okay. <laughs> no, they turned down my brilliant idea too, because 
I wanted to create an experience around the 3D printing people. I wanted the 3D printing people to show people how to 3D print 3D printers, but they were not interested. That's a little complex. <laughs> it's like mailbox money, man. If you figure that out, we're done. That's all you need. <laughs> this sounds like a pyramid okay. scheme. <laughs> It does sound like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's how Okay, so who won, Kelsey? Who won? Well, or who was as close as possible? Yeah, you have to pick one. Gosh. It's not it's I have not to pick fair. one? Yeah, yeah, you should yeah, be yeah. blunt and honest. Wow. Radical candor. What? Management. Oh, I love that. I've got that book. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you do? Right here. Beautiful. There you go. Book. You should be honest in the fact that I won. That's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm going to make myself believe that Maria's is correct because if if people actually thought I was that funny, I would I'd feel very good about myself cuz I don't think I'm that funny, but that's very kind of you to say. I think there would be too many puns for people <laughs> to take me seriously as a motivational speaker. Be like two word plays too many. Get off the stage. Get off the stage, Ooh, lady. Twice in a day. <laughs> winner winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> oh my god. Are you writing these down? Do you know we track how many times Gianna wins and how many times I win? And I think there's going to be some sort of prize that you're working on, Gianna. I hope it's pretty fair. No, there's no fucking prize. Unless I win. <laughs> In which case, there is a prize. You're right. Good idea, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, because my God. she's winning. That's why. <laughs> what would you want for your prize? Actually, Kelsey, what should the prize be? You're our guest, yeah. our lauded guest. Wow. What would yeah. the prize be? I feel like based on the game, the winner should have one of those cardboard cutouts made of them and the loser has to put it like in their office. <laughs> I think Done. that's what we needs need to, to do happen. This. Okay. I feel like we just need to do that anyway. Cause that I way so. when you can't make a call or I can't make a call, <laughs> just then put, we'll just right here. Yeah, and you could be like, this is kind of what she looks like. Different on Zoom because there's a filter. But like, <laughs> you know, like, and she's usually sitting also and not standing. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. You should do that. <laughs> Done. Everybody Done. wins. Again, win, win, win. Cardboard <laughs> cutout, vendors win. You both win. <laughs> if you've made it through this entire episode and you <laughs> would like to hold us to this cardboard cutout thing feel free to in two months send us a message at hey there at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com and say where the fuck is the cardboard cutout and we'll send you a picture we'll put in the show notes or something kelsey thank you for being on the show where can people find you talk to you which you know like how what (laughs) you can find me on mastodon on the infosec exchange I'm Where puns and roses. <laughs> really? Are, are you both not on Mastodon yet? Oh, what the fuck God. is this? I, okay, I, I downloaded it. it. Okay, I downloaded it and I have not set up an account. I'm, oh my gosh. I'm like you gotta get in now. It's like, it's, but it's like the Smithsonian and the La Brea Tar Pits. Like, I don't understand. All I can think of when I hear Mastodon is Ross from Friends and like his <laughs> awkward paleontologist persona that i love someone you feel like russ would be on mastodon or do you feel like mastodon sounds like some sort of like paleontologist discovery okay (laughs) i'll accept that yeah it's great it's federated you got to get in it's like decentralized so you pick like your topics and it's really hard to troll people at scale when you have to create profiles for every like server 
So the InfoSec Exchange server has a lot of security practitioner folks, and it's kind of like a troll-free zone. And there's this one guy named Jerry whose picture is a goat. And so I, I think he's the goat. And he like volunteers his time and just runs this thing. And it's pretty cool. I'm there at Puns and Roses with an extra S. And I'm also at Puns and Roses on Twitter with an extra S for the time being. On the LinkedIn, I guess. You can find Love me. Love that. Just, I just found you. There you go. We will include all those links in the show notes so everybody can connect with Kelsey and ask her about everything we talked about on the show, plus more. Kelsey, we're going to definitely have you back. Actually, the majority of things on, on our notes didn't get discussed <laughs> for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> My responses were too long. That's why. I got No, I got we love it. this. We <laughs> love taking the conversation where it wants to go, and it makes for an awesome episode. So, yeah, if we have to have you on, since you can't stay on until midnight, we'll have to have you on another episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'll either come back on or I can get two cardboard cutouts of both of you or both. Oh, <laughs> you know. let's do it. That's yeah. it. Beautiful. Thanks for having me on today. Really wonderful. You two are the best. Thank you for letting me participate. Thank you so much. What an awesome conversation. What an awesome end to our day. Thank you for joining us, Kelsey. Thanks listeners for tuning in. As usual, there is a hot new episode every Wednesday, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you give us 10 stars if you can, or five stars times two, um, or you know, however you do math. These days, I can't keep up with my fourth graders. <laughs> new math, those stars. Oh, right, exactly. Common core math. No, really. Thank you for listening. Thanks for supporting us. <laughs> Tune in next week for a hot new episode. See you next time.